we're using the wrong self-care tactics, whether that be a diet or a fitness program. And we are living, eating, and working in a way that is actively disrupting our infradian rhythm each and every day. Hi, I'm Zoe. Hi, I'm Erica. Hey, Erica. This is our podcast. Well, what do we do on the podcast? Uh, we talk to wellness experts. Well, what do we talk about? Mm, wellness stuff. And why are we doing this? Because we want to have an inclusive conversation about things that you can actually use and apply to your life. Right. We don't think that wellness should feel preachy. We think it should feel like everybody can participate. That's right. So if you like what you hear, tell a friend. Give us five stars. They're do all free. All of the above. All of the above. And think of us as your navigators on the bumpy highway to well. Welcome back, Elisa Vitti. Hi. Hormone Hello. expert extraordinaire. Happy to be back. Thanks for having me. Author of Woman Code and now the uh, forthcoming In the Flow. Is it out? It's already out, it's out and it's a bestseller. Oh my God, it's already a bestseller. Oh yeah. my gosh. And it's apparently highly controversial. So can you say more <laughs> about what we were just talking about? If you're in the know. Yeah. You're in the flow. You're in the flow. Sorry, I'm trying to be... I guess I love people that. don't even want to like talk about the title. What is that? Well, What's happening? here's the deal. I... By the way, I'm going to preface this all yeah. with, it's 2020. Right. It's 2020. Go on. And by the way, again, preface with, it's 2020 and Gwyneth has a show on Netflix that is called Entirely Place in the Vulva. <laughs> so why can we not say in the flow? I So, okay. Yeah. Let me back up to why I decided to write this book in the yes, first please. place, because I think that maybe answers your question. So I have been helping women with their hormones for 20 years. And I started noticing that in the past, you know five years at least, that there's been this huge influx of content online for content around women's hormones and menstruation and perimenopause. And, you know, it was only logical that one would then conclude that with more information and more access to information that women would be getting healthier. But because of what I do, I've been able to really see that that is not the case. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the statistics show that now women are suffering with hormone issues and autoimmune issues to the tune of about 50% of the population. Mm -hmm. When we compare that with men as a cohort, they are not having hormone and autoimmune issues at this rate. And I just wanted to know why that was, because as a systems thinker and a researcher, I just found like this to be just a really strange phenomenon. It just didn't make any sense. So when I started looking into it, I discovered two things that led me to write this book. The first is that there is an enormous gender bias in medical, fitness, and nutrition research. Did you know that all the research that is being done on diet theory and workout optimization and medication dosing is only done on men and postmenopausal women? That's, why why postpone yeah, exactly. I'm going to get to that okay. in a second. <laughs> Pin in that one. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> and that that information though, the the results of those studies, you know, on intermittent fasting and high intensity interval training and keto and how much anesthesia you need when you go, you know, under for a procedure, uh, that is all being shared with you as if it is applicable to you mm -hmm. as a female in your reproductive years. It's such a problem from a medical point of view that in 1998, the National Institute of Health put out a special task force committee 
to encourage researchers to include women in their clinical trials. As of 2016, the status report shared that progress has been slim to none, meaning we've made no inroads in getting some new information about how we should be dosing women in a medical environment. And they know that this is dangerous and they would like to solve this problem, but it's just not happening. From a medical and from a nutrition and fitness point of view, the research that I was able to uncover really shows that all of these diets and fitness programs that we're being told are going to be universally great are actually contraindicated Mm -hmm. for women in their reproductive years, which led me to look for, well, why is that? And that led me to sort of this uh, discovery of this second biological rhythm that women have. So we all know about the circadian rhythm. We all know that we should be wearing our blue light blocking glasses. We all know that we shouldn't like, <laughs> as she picks hers up. Go on, I'm just saying. <laughs> we all know that we should not do something silly like sleep for five minutes and be up for three days in a row, that that would be very detrimental to our health. Well, women have a second biological rhythm called the infradian rhythm. I-N-F-R-A-D-I-A-N, infradian. And this biological rhythm governs six key systems of the body, the brain, the microbiome, metabolism, the immune system, the stress response system, and the reproductive system. So when I looked at these two pieces of information, it all just made sense. This is in fact why women are sicker now more than ever, because we're using the wrong self-care tactics, whether that be a diet or a fitness program. And we are living, eating, and working in a way that is actively disrupting our infradian rhythm each and every day, worsening our insulin sensitivity, worsening our cortisol levels, disrupting our microbiome, making our immune system dysfunctional, raising stress levels, and just, you know, generally not feeling good. And of course, it's affecting women's hormones as well. We have a a crisis of infertility and hormone problems. Women are suffering with perimenopause symptoms more than they should, et cetera, et cetera. So what I liked about this was that there's one root cause and it's easy to create a solution when the root cause is universal, that we're all disrupting our infradian rhythm. And so I wanted to share that with everybody in this book. It's not a term we've heard before. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that we are able to name our operating system because men can name theirs. They know all the parts and the names. And we have been kind of fed this rhetoric, this cultural narrative that says, ooh, your body is mysterious and complicated and unpredictable Mm -hmm. and a black hole of unknowingness. (laughs) (laughs) And it's going to be a bumpy, turbulent ride with your body and symptoms and there's nothing you can do. Just suck it up and live with it. It's bad science. It's false information. It's not biologically accurate. And I'm here to set the record straight. Hmm. Yeah, just non-science. They're just like, just deal with that jumbled up. Right. This is, I mean, to your point, like confusion. you've had to deal with it for generations and your mom suffered and your grandma suffered and, you know, just go for it. So all of that information is a bit mind-blowing to begin with. Um, I've still, I'm not, totally clear if I understand why any of the women that were originally participating I I out the in the research were postmenopausal. Why? Can I take a guess? Yeah. Yes. You over there in the corner. As I, after I asked the question hmm. and we put a pin in it, I was thinking about it. I think, is it because 
we stop producing as much estrogen and we are hormonally more similar to men postmenopausal. You're almost there. So the infradian rhythm is only active from puberty, from your first bleed to your last bleed. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, you just operate with a circadian rhythm like men, like children. And postmenopausally, you resort back to having just a circadian biological rhythm to attend to. But for those four decades in the middle of your life where you are having a cycle, the infradian rhythm and the circadian rhythm are things you have to care for. And I've mapped out a plan in this new book, In the Mm -hmm. Flow, as for how you would take care of the infradian rhythm so that you don't uh, hurt yourself by accident, whether that be with your diet, your fitness, you know, your immune system and all of that. Plus, there are ways to leverage all of the exciting shifts that take place in the brain, for example. In 1996, Dr. Catherine Woolley from Northwestern University discovered that in her research on women in their reproductive years, God bless her. I was at Northwestern during that time. <laughs> I think I actually remember her name. Yeah. <laughs> she, she did research that really showed that women, women's brains across the infradian cycle change structurally by 25%. Wow. It's really exciting. That's nuts. 25%. 25%. So you cognitively solve problems, you verbalize, you create in distinct and predictable ways across one month. It's predictable. You can plan Mm -hmm. to optimize these things. Mm -hmm. And I always say, you know, I'm not asking for us to be like catering to our hormones and as if that somehow makes us weaker. What I'm doing is taking a page from the chapter of, you know, why are men thriving compared to women as a cohort when it comes to hormones and immunity? Well, in a way, one could argue that the patriarchy through, viewed through the lens of biological rhythms is simply a society that has organized itself around male biological rhythms. And that is why, for example, men feel really good during the day because they wake up early, they do that power morning workout, they do all their deep work first thing in the morning. And then as their hormones shift, downshift, mm-hmm. they do more socializing. And then they go into the man cave, go to sleep, make more testosterone, wake up with all their testosterone and rinse and repeat over Mm -hmm. and over again. And all of corporate culture and all of that is organized to support that. Women trying to squeeze ourselves into that 24-hour circadian rhythm becomes very disruptive as we experience uh, metabolic changes, immune changes, brain uh, structural changes. We have to change what we're working on, what we're doing in order for us to optimize ourselves the men are doing it. It's working really well for them. I'm simply making the case that we should do the same. Hmm. Well, it's funny because it's such a negative, um, right? When we talk about men and hormones, it's really this just like fascinating masculine word now because it's so closely associated with biohacking and getting stronger and power and optimization and all the rest. And that's like, you know, recognizing what your body is doing, your hormones, blah, blah, blah. How do you when we talk about yeah. women yeah. And hormones? It's just like it has such a it's negative. negative. No, you're so like right. you're so hormonal, right? Like why do you have to be so hormonal? You would Everybody, never say that to a guy. You would never say it, right? And it's like, yes. well, why can't women just be like, fuck yeah, I'm hormonal and right. I'm about to optimize this shit? Like, <laughs> yes, what? girl. Like, you know. Well, I wish it were the case, but that that has to do with our lack of education, right? And so that's why I'm so passionate about making sure that we all understand how our operating system works. But just to be clear everyone's hormonal. 
cats, dogs, people, you know, who's not hormonal, people who are dead. And in fact, the aging process is a very slow process of making fewer and fewer concentrations of hormones. So you want to be hormonal. Right. Everyone's men and women are hormonal. Well, we equate it in our society to emotional, overly emotional. We have used it as a weapon to disempower, like the association, the negative connotation. We use that as sort of like an emotional weapon against women, like, oh, you're hormonal and therefore weak. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is it's like such an advantage. And the more you step into biohacking your infradian rhythm, the more you step into your power. So before we go any further, can you just give like a little bit more of a definition of infradian rhythm? Just so we all like really just want to like drive it home. So the infradian biological rhythm is the rhythm that you experience over the course of a month. It's only women in their reproductive years who experience this. It has the phases of the hormones that shift during your menstrual cycle, but it is not solely about your menstrual cycle. It affects five other systems of your body in addition to your reproductive system. So it really impacts how your brain functions, how your immune system functions, how your stress response system functions, how your metabolism functions, and how your cycle functions. Got it. I have a question. Yes. yes you and the black sweater. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so we get double duty because we have infradian and we also have circadian rhythm. That's right. Okay. So is there some point in the cycle when those two systems are just completely at like middle earth odds with each other and no. everything explodes? <laughs> like how do you... No. Like, like a solar eclipse. That I, I mean, yeah. I can't, I'm like picturing no, just these like warring armies. Totally not. So they support each other. And actually, that brings up a really interesting thing. So I'm obvi- I've am i always been, I guess, <laughs> interested in human optimization, human potential. And so I remember as a younger person being like, oh, time management, what is that? How do you use that to your advantage? And so I studied, you know, all the standard, you know, fare out there from Franklin Covey to Tony Robbins. And I remember really struggling with doing the same thing every day. Like at, at first, I'd map everything out the way I was told the big rocks or whatever you're mm-hmm. supposed to do and you know have your little routines and rituals to boost your energy. And then you know, two weeks into it, I would just feel like, definitely don't want to be doing what I wrote down. Mm-hmm. And that must mean I'm a failure, right? And I internalized that as something being wrong with me. And so obviously, I've had a full circle moment with this because now understanding the infradian cycle and how that works alongside the circadian rhythm, I've put together, it's in chapter six, I think it's probably one of the most exciting things. Oh, there's so many exciting things in the there book. There are. Look how many flags I have I, in this I book, all that. these pages I marked. Um, but one of the most exciting things, because it's just a tool that I needed to build for myself to answer your exact question is, how, what does time management look like for women in their reproductive years with an active infradian cycle? We needed a planner. I needed a planner that I could use to organize both my circadian and my infradian right, rhythm. Okay. You this basically need over, like a weekly journal and a 24-hour journal. Yeah, I know, it, it sounds like so a lot. So could you it, just give a, an example, sure. a snapshot oh, of what that... I think we're going to get more than one. I would yeah. like... Let's, yeah, let's you're going to get a lot. Uh, so for example, I'm in my follicular phase and... Congratulations. Thanks. So <laughs> two days ago, I when it started, I sat down and I made my monthly map. And follicular is the phase that immediately follows your period. That's right. Okay. So bleeding is so ended. Too. Hey. Hey. <laughs> so it's like everything is, you're you're interested in organizing and starting new things. And so I I always use this time to map out the whole month and I look at 
knowing which dates are going to be for each of the four phases. I will cherry pick all the different activities that I want to do and I'll just organize them according to the phases. Mm -hmm. So um, for example, I'm still in the process of of getting the word about the book out. So I'm doing a lot of outreach this week. Next week, I'm doing a lot of in-person meetings. The following week, I have a couple of deep projects I have to spend some time sitting down and doing. And it all maps out onto these four phases of my cycle because that's what's going to be easiest and most pleasurable for these brain chemistry changes, for my energy levels. And I just organize it that way. Mm -hmm. Then I use the daily planner that's in the book. Mm -hmm. And and this chart of how you would map things out is in chapter six as well. I give you sort of guidelines of what to put in each of these phases so you can cherry pick which activities you would like to put in each of your four phases. And then use the daily planner to work within the 24 hours that you're going to be functioning, right? You're going to be sleeping, waking, eating. And there's an opportunity there for you to learn. Let's say you have to do something that's out of sync with the ideal activity for that phase. There's ways to help you compensate for that, balance that out. So it's really a way for you to organize the month, work through each day, and keep building your energy. Because what women do when they don't do this is that they just do whatever's right. In, like it's always like a fire drill. Yep. Like we just got to do this right. right now and it needs to be done and we got to do it all at the same time. And you're constantly draining your energy when you're not being strategic about how you're using your time. And this is why women during uh, PMS or during perimenopause will have these sort of acute symptoms like or weeks where they feel really symptomatic, where mm. they're having lots of headaches or lots of PMS because you've drained your energy so much, meaning you're taxing your cortisol levels to this extent. That by the time you get to the luteal phase, you are not making enough progesterone and your symptoms are out of control. This is completely avoidable if you start playing to your cyclical mm-hmm. strength. But so, okay, so that makes sense. But I think that the caveat has to be, and you touched on it a little bit, we're talking about things that by and large are within your control to even organize in the first place. So if Most you have somebody, are. but like when you're talking about work deadlines, for example, yeah. like if you work in a, you know, if you don't have the luxury of planning your own, you know, being completely in control of your own time and like working for yourself or having a flexible schedule and you have like a deadline that requires you know, the type of thought that's normally better associated with a luteal phase and you're like feeling really follicular. Like, how do you... (laughs) Yeah, I would just say watch your judgment of the phases of your cycle because that's just sort of our inherited cultural bias against our own nature, first and foremost. Second, factually speaking, studies show you can do, think, do anything that you want to do at any phase of the cycle. We're talking about preferences. So again, I'm just going to use the the exact analog of what men do. Men do not walk, just so that you can normalize this for yourself, men do not walk around saying, good morning, office coworkers. I'm in my peak testosterone (laughs) phase and I'm going to go into my cubicle and I'm going to get a whole bunch of stuff done. Do not come and talk to me Mm -hmm. until after lunch. They don't do that overtly, right? but they do try to do that as much as they can. Okay, can I... They plan 9 a.m. meetings. They, or right. they plan chunks of time where they're going to get work done and they're not going to socialize. 
whatever it is, they org- they they use their own bodies yeah. under their own understanding and self awareness of their body's preferences in their decision making process, and that's what I'm suggesting that we do. Mm-hmm. You, for example, last week I was in LA on media tour in my bleeding week. Doing, t- doing all sorts of things that really would be more optimal for my ovulatory phase. Mm-hmm. Now, because I take really good care of my infradian rhythm, I had plenty of energy reserve to dip into to navigate those deadlines, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so when I came back, and I'm now in my focus phase, I'm not crashed out. If I had not been taking care of that, if I had been constantly burning the candle at both ends and not being aware of what my needs were, because this also goes to basic self-care. For example, if you eat, if you do too much calorie restriction at the wrong phase of your cycle, you disrupt your insulin levels, your cortisol levels, you destabilize your mood. If you do too much high-intensity interval training at the wrong time of your cycle, you jack up your cortisol levels, destabilize insulin, destabilize your mood, drain your energy. So Getting the basics of my self-care right week over week right. has this cumulative effect of building energy reserves, which is what men do. Right. They more wake, instinctually. More yeah. instinctually. And this is what I said at the beginning of my TED Talk. Gloria Steinem shared her quote, from a young age, little boys are taught to view their bodies as tools to master their environment. Whereas little girls are taught to view their bodies as unending projects to work on and fix. Do you understand that we are just on a completely different trajectory? So for men, when I explain this to men, by the way, they're like, yeah, makes total sense. Why aren't you girls doing this? That's what we're doing. We as women, we question it. We're we're like, well, I can't possibly organize myself around myself. That's blasphemy. But that's because that's what you've been mm-hmm. indoctrinated to believe. So when you talk about men and having this sort of daily pattern, how they work, is their rhythm or their cycle just so static that they don't need to step back? I mean, they're only dealing Break with one cycle, right? So they're basically just like, I can keep doing this routine every, every single day. In it fact, works for me. That's, that's right. It. That's correct. Okay. They have a their hormonal, their testosterone production pattern follows the circadian hour. rhythm. Right. So when they sleep, they make all their testosterone. When they wake up, the earlier they go to bed and the earlier they wake up, like if they were to sleep from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m., and trust me, there is copious research that proves this point for men, which is where this whole power morning mm-hmm. Conversation comes from, which drives me crazy because the gender well, I bias and the talk power. Talk about morning. that a lot because I okay, finish. Yeah. Yes. So for men to wake up at five a.m. when they're flooded with all this testosterone and all of their morning cortisol, morning they, wood, as we've sure in the past. morning wood, morning could they should <laughs> get up. Oh and my god, go this is at turning it. into a Dr. Seuss book. Right. Okay, <laughs> they should get up and do everything right. Right. Do a big workout. Have sex if somebody will have sex with them. Whatever it is, and get to the business of their day, the Mm -hmm. sooner the better, because after 3 p.m., they fall off the cliff, so to speak, of of productivity, of mental focus. You are describing me to a T. (laughs) That's a different conversation. So so if you experience this afternoon energy drop-off, right, that's a sign of adrenal fatigue. Where would your adrenal fatigue come from? 
from disrupting your infradian cycle rhythm week over week, constantly draining your energy reserves, not eating the right amount of calories when you need them, doing the wrong exercises, burning, burning, burning your fuel, never replenishing it. Okay. But on the flip side of that, when am I feeling the the drop off? Yeah, it's typically around now. Now. So Mm -hmm. it's typically around three o'clock. And then I shift into this mode of like, now I will do all the sort of more physical mundane tasks that don't require a lot of mental energy or clarity. Great. And so I find that I am most sort of lucid and able to mentally attack anything. You know, it always happens. It doesn't matter how um, much energy I have or how drained I feel. Like that moment, that window is always in the early morning hours. And that's like when I always have to get that done. And if right. I don't get like the writing, the strategy, the sort of like that type of thinking, if I don't get it done during that time, it doesn't happen. So now we're talking about circadian rhythm and everybody has... Okay, I'm talk- I'm, I'm, I switched no, rhythms. It's okay. Yeah. No, it's fine because you are interacting with both. Yeah. I want women to be more aware of their infradian rhythm, yeah. but their circadian rhythm, of course, is going to be something that they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. We all have natural timing that we tend to gravitate towards. Some people are morning people. Mm-hmm. They're wired to be having the experience that you have where you feel most awake and alert in the morning. Other people are later afternoon, evening people, and they feel the opposite of you. And that is just something that you would have always felt your entire life. For someone like you, right, how you're eating throughout the day and where where you are in the cycle will help you extend your energy in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Whereas for men, in order for them to extend their energy in the afternoon, they have to use that like more extreme biohacking stuff like nootropics and Mm -hmm. stimulating supplements and upgraded coffee and things of that nature to compensate for their testosterone drop and cortisol drop in the afternoon. If they they want to have access to energy and mental focus in the afternoon, if they need to do that. As I'm sipping my Jacked up coffee. Coffee. <laughs> uh, medicinal mushroom coffee right now. Go on. <laughs> it's like um, I might. So I yeah. want to know the, so you touched on it a little bit, but if we're looking at like this week over week map and it's in the book, you were saying like certain, you know, it's not even certain foods specifically, but it's like how many calories that you're taking in and, and whether you're doing, you know, IF at the wrong time and the types of exercise, because we touched on this a little bit um, in our first interview with you. And I remember it was just like shocking yes. and fascinating information to hear that like a HIT workout is great for men all the time and for women one week a month. And so... In the we, afternoon. Yeah, exactly. And not in the morning. Yeah. I know. And again, like to Zoe's point, I'm the person who... I'm definitely a morning person. I don't have trouble getting up. But I, while I feel mental clarity in the morning... I also have to exercise in the morning because it's the only time of my day that I can you definitely can. control. You can. You, it's okay. <laughs> so basically, um, it does matter which foods you're eating. It also matters how many calories you're taking in. So in the second half of your cycle, the luteal phase specifically, you need 237 more calories a day. Exactly that number? Precisely. Seriously? Seriously. Regardless of like BMI or anything like that? Regardless. You really? And what phase is this? This is the luteal phase. So the luteal like phase week three. is week three. Okay. Week the, three. the phase right before your bleed. Yeah. 
And uh, often we, we say intuitively, yeah, this is when I'm more bingy and I have right. craving carbohydrates. And that's because you are still trying to bring in your natural tendency to do calorie restriction because you've been told that women have the slower metabolism and need to compensate for it by working out more and eating less. That's sort of the rhetoric that has infused the, the nutrition and fitness conversation again, because all the research has been done on men and They've just assumed that we are small men with smaller BMIs. And so we just have a slower metabolism and that's what we should do every day. But it turns out that you don't have a slower metabolism all the time. You're just a more efficient conserver of nutrients and energy because you are capable of 3D printing a tiny human being if you so choose. And so that's why nature imbued you with that ability to conserve energy and calories more efficiently. Mm. In the first half of the cycle, you need fewer calories because your reproductive system is doing less work. It's just maturing an egg or several eggs on the follicle and one will erupt from the ovary and make its way down the fallopian tube. Once you get into the luteal phase, you need these extra 237 calories because now your body is doing a tremendous amount of work. It's building up a lining, creating tissue out of nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So the endometrial lining that has to come from something. It comes from your micronutrients that you get from food. Right. It, this is it's an amazing it's process. Right. It's work for your body. And if you calorie restrict, your hormonal conversation will cause you to eat more, mm-hmm. even if you don't want to, because it literally needs two hundred and thirty-seven more calories. So you have a choice now. Isn't that it you- odd that that's also the number of the room in The Shining? By the way. Just want to point that out. Oh, good one. Oh, God. The conspiracy totally theory relevant. continues. <laughs> anyway, right, so I don't know if I like that. You have- <laughs> so anyway, because of this, yeah. you want to make a choice now that you know that this is a fact, whether you like it or not, you can either try to resist it and continue to restrict calories and find yourself binging on things that you know you always binge on anyway once a month mm-hmm. that are bad for you, or you can preemptively, proactively eat slow-burning, sustaining complex carbohydrates that are going to help your body do what it needs to do. And you will not find yourself having any sort of like Going against the flow. You want to go with your flow. Well, it's interesting because, right, so the week before your period, you are pre-menstrual, right? Your PMS thing is what you look at me like... Only if your hormones are out of balance. I mean, I feel like that's a bad word. Well, okay. So I guess you, like are you, are lute- you are in the luteal phase. You that are in the luteal phase. She doesn't like PMS. Right. I know you don't like the word PMS. No, it's a term that you should use if you have that disorder. You have Premenstrual syndrome. syndrome is, yes, it's we are hormonal we are underscoring. That is, yeah. it is in fact a disorder and it is not normal to have PMS. Correct. But we have culturally, we've thrown this word around right. a lot. And when we you're use quote it, unquote PMSing. We, we use it to identify the time, like right before your period. Right. And when we, we've also equated PMS, PMSing with binge eating. Yes. Right. So it's just interesting that what you're we, saying is very, you're like, no, this luteal phase and maybe you're hungry because you need to be, because your body is trying to build something out of nothing. And how right. interesting that because we've been deprived of the accuracy of information, we perpetuate judgment about our own bodies. Like, ugh, I'm hormonal. Ugh, I'm PMSing. Right. Like, I'm out of control with my eating. Don't talk to me this week. We criticize ourselves. We have a negative dialogue yeah. about this whole experience because we have been deprived of accurate information, whether on purpose or not. That's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other podcast. But yeah. now 
you know, again, this book is now in print, so we don't have to be deprived of this information anymore. We can just know how our operating system works and we can either choose to be disrupting our infrating rhythm knowingly, because now we're all doing it unknowingly. And that's been nobody's fault. But now you, once you hear this information, it just, you know, you just know that you want to be in the flow. You can't put it back in the bottle. Um, okay, another example. Yes. Another example. Did you say you can't put the flow back in the bottle? No, I said you can't put it back in the bottle. At the same time, she said flow. So that's oh. what it sounded like. <laughs> it's kind of gross. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> okay, let's have another one. So exercise. Yeah, so exercise. In the first half of your cycle, your resting cortisol levels are lower and your metabolism is slower. So follicular and ovulatory phase right after your bleed, leading up to ovulation. This combination of metabolic downshift and lower cortisol levels means that you can do higher intensity exercise, cardio and high intensity interval training. And it will have the net effect of building lean muscle and utilizing fat stores efficiently. Whether you're trying to lose weight or not, we want to be using what we have in our bodies efficiently. If you are trying to lose weight, that will also happen if you do the right type of intense exercise at this time and have not excessive calories because you don't need as many. In the second half of the cycle, if you continue to do the same thing, you will turn on fat storage and turn on muscle wasting. Why? Because now your metabolism has sped up, requires more calories, Mm -hmm. and your resting cortisol levels are higher. Mm -hmm. So if you do high-intensity interval training with higher resting cortisol levels, you're going to burn through your cortisol reserves really quickly. You're going to jack up your cortisol levels. You're going to disrupt your insulin levels. And you're going to tell your fat to store itself again. Mm -hmm. Anything that you're burning is going to get restored as adipose tissue. And you're going to make no progress. So at the end of the month, at best, you'll have no change, which is what most women experience and complain about. Right. Like, mm-hmm. gee, I, I don't understand. I'm going to the boot camp class every week like mm-hmm. I'm supposed to. I'm eating salads every day like I'm supposed to, and I'm not losing any weight. And as somebody who has lost 60 pounds twice, um, I will tell you it has never come out of deprivation or doing the same thing every day. Right. I know how my system works, my metabolism works, and I just work with it. And lo and behold, right. I'm, you know, comes right off, and then you're able to maintain it without a lot of effort. You say 60 pounds twice, why twice? <laughs> well, First, because that's the first time I lost it was after my hormonal imbalance. Second time was after my pregnancy. Yeah. Um, This is amazing. So, I mean, I think maybe it's fair to say, going back to what I was asking earlier, like even if, because I'm just listening from the point of view of somebody who says, again, like, well, I don't have the luxury of saying like, I'm not going to think about that project until the phase is right. You think about it Well, right. You think about it whenever, but at the very least, you can plan your workouts differently. You can plan your food differently. That's right. And that's a huge part of the battle, right? If you do the self-care the way that your body wants, you are going to feel so much energy, yeah. so much mental clarity. You're going to get your juice back. Yeah, You're not going to feel drained, overwhelmed, fatigued, burnt out. Women are like all suffering with this feeling of fatigue and burnout. Yeah. And it's because we're just working well, out and of I sync. I feel like I'm, I bet that there is a high percentage of women who, while they have their period, is when they physically feel different, right? They feel bloated. They feel fat, even if they're not. So they're working out harder and probably- Making things worse. Making things worse. Like and actually, saying. the bloating, all of that 
those symptoms are a re- result of you eating and exercising the wrong mm-hmm. way at the wrong times the whole month. So if you, again, I mean, I was just having my period and I was on TV and I had no bloating and I had no breakouts and I had no energy dip and I had no symptoms. Mm-hmm. I am not an anomaly. I'm right. just, I just know what to do when, right. and, and it just works. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's really straightforward. And again, men it's are like doing, actual science. men are doing, yeah, it's actual science. Men are doing this left and right. They're just, we just have, we're just, this is brand new for us. So maybe off topic, but are you a vegetarian? How do you eat? Do no. you eat meat? I do. You do? Yeah. So is there any kind of, I'm just thinking about, I mean, I know we talk forever about hormone disruptors, plasticizers, all that good stuff, but like, is there any, um, watch out or connection between eating animal protein and like regulating hormone or maybe there's a good time to eat it and maybe there's there's a chart a good time. The chart in chapter four lists yeah. specific, specific to animal protein and vegan i am completely anti-dogmatic about how you choose to nourish yourself i'm yeah. interested in you making adequate levels of hormones metabolizing those hormones efficiently keeping your blood sugar levels stable and uh, keeping your energy high. So if you can, if you have a healthy gut and a functioning microbiome and you can assimilate proteins and amino acids from vegan sources and then make adequate levels of hormones, Mm -hmm. please go ahead and do that. Mm -hmm. If you're somebody who has endometriosis, fibroids, animal protein is something you want to stay away from. There's a whole biohacking section for specific period problems um, and which foods maybe to avoid specifically if you're having, you know, like I said, PCOS versus endometriosis versus fibroids, how to navigate perimenopause. What if you're on the pill? That's all in sort of this special interstitial section of the book yeah. because it's really some of that animal protein versus veganism or vegetarianism, that that is something that you can make the call on at your comfort level and also based on your symptoms. Right. And so, I mean, it's it's just like, there's so much good information here and it's so- but These charts, I mean, like they, I mean, I'm not gonna, not gonna tip the hand to everybody because they need to buy the book and read it. But like, just as an example, like here you go on, you know, menstrual, it's recommended that you go keto, paleo or grain-free. Like there are options. It's so clear. It's so specific. Um, yeah. That, and that was for, I wanted to put a chart together. So there's a food chart and then there's the tr- the diet. You're looking at the diet trends chart. So if you're somebody mm-hmm. who's like, but I love intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. I love keto. I, I say, okay, great. Here's when you can do those diets acor- across right. the infradian cycle. Mm-hmm. Just keep changing. Right. Your Although body is changing weekly. Keto will argue that you can't change it. And I think that that's part well, of the so problem this, with keto. But yes. Right. I mean, this is kind of the beauty. And I think we need to just embrace it that we uh, women are quite complex. And it's okay to say that this is something you know, it's not simple. It's not easy. It's not a straightforward thing. It's not like, oh, let me prescribe you like this type of exercise, this type of diet and, you know, sleep this way. And like you're set. I'm going to argue with you there, Zoe. And here's why. Well, wait, hold on. Because because I love you too much. No, 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 no. Wait, but let me just finish my my thought. (laughs) I think that it is like learning any new operating system. It is confusing, right? So it takes a minute I mean, you're you're in it. You're the expert. I, you know, as someone who I think is like somewhat in touch with my body and my rhythms and my flow, like I've never had any specific problems, but I've had two children. Like I've, you know, I've gotten in touch with my like flow on a pretty intimate level. 
But I think that like even learning this stuff is like, there's a learning curve here. And I'm not saying yeah, that. That's why I put all the charts, right? Yeah, because the right, charts just thing. really like, no, for sure. There's I just, no, you don't have to get as intimate with it as I do. But I'll, I, what I wanted to say yeah. to push back lovingly, <laughs> love and, and it really comes truly love from a place me. of love. I don't think that there's yeah. a person on planet earth who loves o- your ovaries more than me. Okay. I really don't. And, and I, and I mean that because I think that we as women need more advocacy around our health. For sure. So I, I really do come from a place of deep love and awe for our bodies. Let me make it real simple. You have been taught a one unit system, right? Yes. One cycle, one unit, one pattern. Mm-hmm. But I know that it is not a huge stretch for you to, for you, because you're so smart and all women are so smart to go from just understanding a one unit pattern to a four unit pattern. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's I it. I have no doubt. That's it. Listen, so I think we a, can do it. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to manage expectations because there's a learning curve. Yeah. Well, but guess what? I mean, I think the good news is again, you use a resource like this or you know, and you I built use the whatever app resource. to make that really but like easy. You try totally. it, and maybe one month you only make it for a week before yeah. you kind of like fall off and go back into your old habits. But then the next month you go two weeks, and you actually start to feel a difference. Well, in the book, I map out a path for you to get started because I do this for every aspect of my life. And you're right; that's overwhelming when you're starting from that point of view. But I would suggest, as I do in the book, that you would start with pick either food or fitness. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a great... Pick either yes. your food or your fitness totally. and just start aligning that according to the charts. And mm-hmm. either for food, it's chapter four. Or for fitness, it's chapter five. Pick the chart, do the, th- the correct workout or the correct meals. There's recipes mm-hmm. in the back and meal plans in the back to help you. And just to, just do that for one month. Then, I'm going to do it. Then the second month, add in the whatever you didn't do the first month. So if you did food the first month, keep doing food the second month and then add in the fitness in the second month. Yeah. If you start with fitness in the first month, keep doing the fitness in the second month, but add in the food. Then do that for like a couple of cycles, just the food and the fitness. Yeah. Build your energy, recover from all these years of infradian disruption and fatigue. And then as you, while you're doing that, finish reading the rest of the book because you're going to be looking at how to optimize your productivity with less stress. You're going to be looking at which we have to talk about because 60% of women are sexually unsatisfied, how to optimize your sex life, yeah. how, to, how to make motherhood less stressful. Sorry, what? Yes. You're going to learn, and there's charts for everything. So you don't have to figure it out. You can just be inspired and then take the chart and try it out. I'm in- inviting you to be a researcher about your own infradian rhythm and start to see what works for you and how you can really biohack your way yes. into your optimal flow. Agreed. The book is a triple entendre, the title, <clears throat> in the flow of your infradian rhythm, in the flow, obviously re- referring to our cycle, but also <clears throat> in the flow of your peak state. Mm-hmm. Because I was always fascinated about this peak state that you know people would talk about athletes or Tony Robbins would talk about being in your peak state, peak flow state. And I said, how, what does that look like for me as a female is very different. Right. Because- Again, to generate a peak flow state as a male, you would do the same things every day. Right. That routine is what sets you up for success. For women, mm-hmm. you have four routines and that's what sets you up for right. your peak flow state. You can architect it. You just have four and they have one. That is it. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it, it makes sense. We I'm are very complex. Again, my workouts. 
since I'm in follicular, I'm like on day one. Yeah, get up, get get into some cardio, do something fun. Yeah, I did my hip this morning. There you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I have no routine. I just like maybe you need to get one. You need a routine. Exercise routine. I know, but I'm so like, there's just like so boring to just like go to the gym. You played tennis yesterday. You won't be bored because you're going to be changing your workouts. Yeah, for sure. I um, I'm I'm. I, I, yeah, tennis seems to be the only thing that I will get out of bed for. There you go. Or like go play at night. Right. Anyway, so could we just shift for one second? Because I wanted to make sure that we touch on this. and um, The sex drive piece. Lord knows. Yeah, well, the sex drive piece. But yeah. before we get to yeah. that, I just wanted to ask one question because we um, <clears throat> we could talk to you for hours, as you know. But... <laughs> I'm honored. I'm, I'm, I feel honored to be a three-time guest. Yeah, like, no, I mean, we're going to get you a jacket. <laughs> exactly. it's just, uh, there's just a lot to cover here. You know, we are very complex um, individuals. Yes. Uh, but in fact, the female brain is more complex than the male brain. And as such, we need 20 more minutes of sleep every night. And how do you mean more complex? It's in chapter two. I actually break down. <laughs> yeah. Ex- the actual compar- side-by-side comparison of your amygdala, of your prefrontal cortex, of why it is more complex and why you are wired for creativity and leadership and, and just right. brilliant. Executive function is actually... We're, it's, you have all sorts of magical yeah. things going on in your brain. Man, you, that old amygdala. Can you do a, just a chapter on the amygdala and like psychotropics? There's some interesting. I did not include that in the book, no. uh, You're like, not going to happen in my next book either. Okay, wait. So I just want to touch on this really quickly because we get a lot of uh, questions and I think a lot of women, particularly like our age, are starting to like have this issue with migraines. Mm. And I know that that is obviously there's pretty direct connection there or I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there's a pretty clear connection between migraines and hormones. Yeah. Um, What do you just like, I don't know, just top line advice. What do you think is going on there? can be a couple of things. Um, it can be good old-fashioned magnesium deficiency, which if you're drinking coffee, you are flushing out your magnesium. It's water-soluble. Why are you looking at me like I'm that? I'm not. Okay. I just happen to be looking at you at this particular moment. <laughs> I'm drinking coffee right now. And remember, yeah. I think we established last time yeah. that you are fine with your CYP1A2 gene and you might not be. That's your caffeine metabolizing. You're, right. Yeah. Okay. So thanks that, for remembering. So you can drink <laughs> Minus coffee. Decaf. No, that's this right. Is... You can drink coffee, and you know you I cannot. Don't. Yeah. I'm off it. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Thanks. That's really nice that you followed that suggestion. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Um, so yeah, it really just depends on if you have that gene that makes the enzyme to break down coffee. But anyway, regardless, if you're drinking it, even if you can break it down, yeah. it, byproduct of flushing the the caffeine out of your system is magnesium as a cofactor. So you're literally peeing out all of that magnesium. And at the end of the day, especially in perimenopause, you can find yourself with a headache that is magnesium deficiency related, dehydration related, and insomnia that then is generated from having too much caffeine. So you may need to back off the caffeine and take more magnesium throughout the day. You can then also have more of the cyclical types of headaches or migraines, um, which has to do with this estrogen fluctuation. So during stage two perimenopause, which is the phase that I think you're referring to, 45 to 55, um, we have an 
increase in follicular stimulating hormones. So ovulation is starting to slow down and, you know, eventually will stop. And we have sort of this, let's call it estrogen turbulence, right? It's, tur- it's like you're going through They're a like little mobiles. turbulent, like, you know, sometimes when the plane is descending, there, they hits like a little patch of turbulence and then it levels off and it's fine. And then yeah. it lands beautifully. That's a really good visual analog for what your hormones are trying to do in second stage perimenopause. You're, the plane is descending to its landing position where you're going to have no more infradian biological rhythm running the show. And you're going to hit a little patch of estrogen turbulence as that spikes where you have some days where you're making more estrogen than other days where it's falling off. The estrogen drop-off has been connected to migraine-like headaches. So eating foods that help level that out, taking adaptogens like maca, eating fermented soy products um, can help offset some of this estrogen fluctuation. Mm. Um, There is a maca uh, that has been researched on its phenotype. It's excellent product and it's specifically for perimenopause. Mm. I believe the brand name is called Feminescence. And it's the only one that I recommend for women with, uh, you know, perimenopausal, let's say, estrogen symptoms. It's mm-hmm. a great, great product for that. So that magnesium, maca. You can also use ginkgo biloba, which is a vasodilator. So if you're also noticing that your clitoris, how are we talking about your clitoris and your headaches? But if you notice <laughs> that your clitoris is a little less responsive, or it takes more time for you to reach tumescence. What is tumescence? It is the female word for erection, right? So meaning where your tissues become engorged with blood. If that takes longer than you remember it taking, you could have an issue with blood vessel dilation and ginkgo biloba can help with that. It's a natural herb that helps um, increase blood flow, which will help your brain. Right. And headaches. um, That's interesting. I, so also more clitoral stimulation will help with headaches. Okay. So this is what I, this so is. It all so leads back to sex. Yeah. So which I ultimately always want to talk about. So I am not the person who's experiencing migraines, thankfully, but I do take a ton of magnesium every night before I go to bed. Which type? Uh, glycinate. Good. Thank you. Yeah, don't take the magnesium malate unless you are trying to have a massive bowel movement the next day. Oh, oh dear. Okay. Um, noted. <laughs> no, I always only take glycinate. I take like 500 milligrams. Great. Yeah. And so anyway, so the, person who is coming to mind who's specifically just struggling. She's 41, uh, struggling with these migraines out of nowhere all of a sudden. She's like, I think it's just your heart. Like, is your cycle regular? Blah, blah, blah. Everything's fine. She took some magnesium. Didn't really do anything. And it was just more of like a cycle. And so she is... She may need maca. So she may need maca. Yeah. Because it was... So here's why. Because she she discovered this amazing thing that happened. So when she gets a migraine, it's for like Three days. I mean, it's just like, it's debilitating. Mm. And so through one of these migraines, she had sex, had an orgasm, and it just immediately went away. <laughs> and she was like, oh my God, it was like a miracle. And no, then the next time she had a migraine. A miracle. <laughs> and then she had a, a migraine again. And she tested was like, it out. Wait, husband, let's do that <laughs> thing again. Had an orgasm. Again, knocked it out immediately. I'm going to cry. Okay. So exciting. So this was like a big discovery for her that she just arrived at on her own. It was just like, I wonder. In the meantime, her husband is praying for more migraines. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) baseball bat. (laughs) Here. So that's another thing that I talk about in which chapter is the sex chapter? Chapter eight. I was really upset 
to discover that 60% of women are sexually unsatisfied. That's an enormous, unacceptable number. Agreed. Are they dissatisfied because they're not having enough sex or because they have no desire to have sex or because they're having uh, not having unsatisfactory sex? All of it. All of the above. Which is even worse. Yeah, that's <laughs> even sadder. Yep. <laughs> Somehow. And, uh, you know, again, viewed through the lens of the new understanding of our infradian rhythm, it makes sense why sexual pleasure feels so hit or miss for women because there are times in the cycle where you are dry, times in the cycle where you need more clitoral stimulation, times where you need less to achieve the same orgasmic plateau and climax. If you don't know that and you go into it, let's say it's a dry phase, and you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm not getting wet, you know, this is not working. And you start internalizing, just like we do with diets, like, oh, gee, you know, I'm doing all this stuff and I'm not making progress. Something must be wrong with me. Something's wrong with my willpower. Same thing happens in the sexual arena. Uh Uh-oh, I'm not ready to go. I'm not climaxing right away. I'm not wet and lubricated. My libido's broken, Mm -hmm. right? right? We internalize that when we're just missing correct information about, oh, this is a dry phase. Don't start the approach (laughs) of any sort without outside lubricant being added to the mix immediately. Right. And then when you do that, you will have a more successful outcome, whether that be with solo play or partner play. Uh, And that's just on the functional side of things. Then we have the physiological benefits. The more you can architect consistent pleasurable response, meaning achieve orgasmic plateau. I am not actually interested in you climaxing on a regular basis, but the orgasmic plateau, so zero to a 10, 10 being a climax, I'm interested in the four to an eight. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested in you having as much of the four to an eight period of time as you can have. That orgasmic plateau yields huge physiological health benefits, one of which your friend discovered by accident. Mm -hmm. But now, of course, it makes like if you think about 60% of women are sexually unsatisfied, 50% of women are struggling with hormone and autoimmune issues, right? Orgasm supports immune health, boosts your immune system. It helps with headaches. It helps with your skin's collagen production. It prevents cellular aging. I mean, it's like, it's medicine that's baked into these 8,000 nerve endings that you have. Only you. You you only have an infradian rhythm and you only have 8,000 nerve endings bundled into your clitoris. Men don't have 8,000 nerve endings in the penis and it is a multifunction tool, kind of like a clicker pen. One time it's red, one time it's blue, color ink. Like you get different things out of it, right? Oh, they're such simple animals. They really are. Um, That is the greatest visual of all time. (laughs) It's a multifunction tool. Yeah. It's like a leather leather man. Exactly. (laughs) So if you think about why would nature put 8,000 nerve endings just for you to have as much orgasmic plateau as possible, one would really easily logically conclude that it would have massive benefits for your system as a whole. It flushes massive levels of cortisol out of your body very quickly, unlike anything else. Exercise is good, yes. Orgasm is more effective at flushing cortisol. It balances your hormones. It boosts your fertility. I mean, anything that is it boosts your mood if you're having depression or anxiety. Anything that is going on symptom-wise, it's a good experiment to try orgasm first. Right. right. And if you don't have a partner to do that No, with, you don't need a no, partner. I'm not even one. talking. 
None that's of the, the nothing thing. that came out of my mouth said with a partner. Well, that's why <laughs> I, just wanna, I just want to make that very clear right. is that it doesn't matter how you get there. Preferably just with your hand. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Because uh, if you use a vibrator, oftentimes the exactly. strength of these vibrators are so powerful, which can be super fun to do from time to time, but you often will bypass orgasmic mm-hmm. plateau the and go right. Eight. You'll go right to the 10 right. and you'll be done. And then you don't build up all that nitric oxide and oxytocin. Right. And those are the, the chemicals that give those physiological benefits. Good medicine. So before you reach for a supplement, yeah. reach for your clitoris. <laughs> Love it. We are so quoting you on that. Serious. Well, I know. Yeah. Serious as a as, as a clitoris. An orgasm. <laughs> as a, so we have so many swag ideas for you now. There's oh my like God. You, we have you're gonna make some merch and we're gonna create so many amazing t-shirts. Oh good. Um, <laughs> I'll leave that to you, ladies. <laughs> Infradiant disruptor. Um, oh my god, I love it. Actually, I do think a great shirt would be the way out is in. Radiant. <laughs> yeah, I probably will. That's a thinker. That's a thinker. I, think, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, once again, we've already run over time and there's still more to cover. And we want you to come back and anytime for thank you. you. And in yeah. the meantime, in the flow, people, you got to read this book. You I can mean, go to intheflowbook.com. And of course, you'll, there are some great sorry. bonuses. Sorry. There's a, there's, I put something together. So while you're waiting for your book to arrive, you can actually start doing some food experiments. It's a little mini chart that you can start yeah, downloading right exactly. away. Yeah, exactly. Just like pick something and pick start. Something. Because guess what? It can't hurt. No, think of it as your lady Bible. And if that's very kind of you. And if you are confused as I don't know which phase of the cycle I'm in, don't worry. The app that I built will tell you and you can download that at myflowtracker.com. Love it. And you know, Go out there and have some orgasms. Go out there and have some orgasms. I was about to say, we're not going to post it in time, but this would be such a nice Valentine's Day gift I know, really for the would. lady in your life. <laughs> or maybe even the man in your life. So, happy Valentine's <laughs> I, I have one. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, all right. All right. I know. It's just, we don't it's, have any fun when we get together. I know. Really. This is terrible. There's it's so boring. much to talk about. <laughs> Thank you so much. More soon. This is- Thank you for having me. Thanks for using your platform to share some important truths that... Yeah. First, you know, they won't take you on the morning show. You come here. You got it. (laughs) Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at htwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking.